it's going to be exciting. But today, the message is called Open Heaven. So let's just pray. I want you just to close your eyes. Let's focus in. Lord, we declare that you're here with us and we thank you for your word this morning. I would pray that you'd release powerful encouragement, Lord. And I thank you, God, for just your understanding and your word, Lord, for people, Lord, to see the power of creating an open heaven via the vehicle of prayer, particularly corporate prayer. Lord, release that revelation into people's lives in Jesus' name. And so the message is all about open heaven. And to start off with, I want to link a little bit back to uh, some points that I, I got from the CI conference that I shared a little bit in my download message. Um, and one of those things, in one of the reasons why the Lord is encouraging us to connect to the Holy Spirit at the moment is because He's inviting us into a place of dominion prayer or warfare prayer. And uh, sometimes it's necessary to really take that place of fervent prayer in your life. And I believe that this is a time for us to do that. Um, what's interesting, though, is because we live in such a blessed nation, uh, we live in a, a place, as we know, called Australia, where there's so many resources at our fingertips. Usually the sense of urgency about certain things in our life, i.e. the fact that usually in Australia, most people don't have to be in survival mode. As in every week, we're not thinking about where, really where our food needs to come from. We can go to the shopping center and we can buy some food. I know that some people have restricted budgets at times, but generally it's nothing compared to people who live in third world nations. And so what you'll find is, is that there is typically a discrepancy between the fervency or the urgency to pray in a very blessed society where there aren't immediate needs every day, meaning that you don't really have a dying need to seek the Lord uh, for every single daily need because we live in such a blessed community. And that's a good thing because our nation is blessed and that's what we believe for and we pray for and that's great. But sometimes the negative part of that is that as Christians, we can lack a desire or a motivation to really seek the Lord fervently in prayer. And I believe that God wants to encourage us at this time to do exactly that, to seek Him fervently and to understand that there will be something that will come from a time of prayer and really seeking Him. And it will be answers, it will be breakthroughs. But what's interesting is our church, we've had so many testimonies of individual breakthroughs over the seasons. But I believe as a church and as a spiritual community, God is calling us to more corporate prayer. And the fact that practically we can do this in this building is great. So... Um, <clears throat> Another thing too is I talked about in my download message looking for some signs when really you need to go into warfare prayer. And I talked about some of those signs um, are actually when you feel persecuted or you feel like uh, things are coming against you, whether it be uh, levels of frustration, levels of confusion, or literally when there's something in the workplace or in your family where there's tension and there's, uh, there's friction and maybe someone's having a go at you or there are circumstances where really you feel like, either mentally or physically, spiritually, your back's against the wall. And so these are some clear cues and clues that this is time to pray. In fact, uh, over in the, the, the conference, uh, one of the speakers was talking about that it's important for us to understand that uh, when we have restrictions round about us, the best way to respond to that is to pray, but to get into warfare prayer. And so for myself personally and Sarah, I feel like right now I've got a whole fresh just infusion of uh, a sense of urgency and fervency to really get in and to warfare pray uh, for our lives, for our church and for our people here in this church. And so hopefully today, this is not just going to be a word, but there'll be an impartation of that as well. What God's release into our lives will come into your lives. Can I get everyone to say amen to that? And so <clears throat> what I want to do today is I want to look at this story of Peter. Peter, one of the disciples in the New Testament who had a miraculous release from prison and he came against a difficult time. There were some problems. There were some circumstances uh, where people were accusing him. He had the, the, the politi There was politics involved. They wanted to take him down. They'd already killed one of the other disciples. They wanted to put him in prison. Um, the, the Jews were against him as well because he was now a follower of Christ. And so there was things that were breaking out all around him where eventually he actually ended up in prison. And so the church was called to corporate prayer as an answer for God to intervene and to bring breakthrough into the situation. Now, let's relate this just to ourselves. Peter was locked up. 
He was locked up. Uh, he was restricted. He had uh, guards outside. He had guards inside. He had chains around him. There were restrictions all around him. He had a key leader who was speaking against him, who politically would be advantaged by him being put in prison and staying in prison and eventually killed. He had the whole Jews, uh, the Jewish community against him because they wanted to kind of come against those key influences of the church. And so there were lots of problems. But the key here, what we're going to learn is that during that time, the people of God, the supporters of Peter, rallied together in corporate prayer in, in order for God to intervene, miraculously to bring breakthrough. And so uh, there's this story of the power of corporate prayer in the book of Acts chapter 12 that we're going to look at today. Um, and so I believe that God wants us as a church to pray together for seemingly impossible situations, but also for things that maybe individually we need breakthrough in, corporately we need breakthrough in, nationally we need breakthrough in. I believe that God is releasing an assignment for this church to pray, to pray, to pray together, powerfully to see God move. Who's excited about this? But I believe that in preparation for that, that all of us, you, me, everyone included, we need to, as a precipice before that, we need to personally get a fresh revelation of how powerful corporate prayer is and how God's word does not return void. That if you turn up in the name of Jesus with someone else and you start to do spiritual warfare, you don't have to be the best prayer in the world, but you have to be in unity. And as you do that faithfully, that God promises that he will answer prayer prayer and then he will move. And so as we come into a time of corporate prayer or a call to corporate prayer or a season of corporate prayer, we have to start with a revelation that this is not just something that we're going to do because we're going to do it. It's something that we're going to do with the expectation that there's going to be fruit that comes from it. There's going to be answers that comes from it, that we're actually literally going to create an open heaven where there's a download of heaven, where there's miraculous provision, where there's breakthrough in certain situations. Who here needs a fresh touch of heaven? in your world. Good. And so it's about having that expectation before we go into our prayer starting this Wednesday. And also what's important about prayer is prayer is an opportunity for us to stretch our spiritual muscles or our prayer muscles. And we're going to look at some revelation about that. But I talked about in my message called Download is that when we connect with Holy Spirit personally, when we connect with Holy Spirit, knowing that He is a person, as in He has a personality. He is part of the Trinity, but He's not just some mystic spirit that we just kind of go, ooh, that was such a nice feeling. No, He actually is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and He has a mind and He has a will, and He's an ambassador of heaven. And He's been released to you and I as a comforter, as a guide for us to walk with, but to partner with. And a part of the, the revelation of Holy Spirit is that when we pray and we partner with the Holy Spirit, He actually releases like a GPS mechanism spiritually. Uh, we're going to look at this example of Peter, that when the people started to pray, that Peter got an insight to actually, he got awakened by an angel. And the angel said, to get up, get ready, and to walk out of the prison, even though the prison doors were closed, even though there were people that were actually in the prison. They may have been asleep. Who knows? The scripture isn't clear on that. There were actual uh, guards outside of the prison as well, inside, outside, and the prison door was locked. But the angel, after the people were praying uh, for Peter, the angel awakened uh, him with a nudge, a physical nudge, the Bible teaches, and also with a sound speaking to him. And as he reacted to that, the angel gave him directions said, get up and get ready and walk out. And so he actually got a prompting. He got some direction, a pathway of how to go and transition from a place of restriction into a place of freedom. And I want to say this to you, that that's actually one of the benefits that you and I are going to uh, receive when we come together in corporate prayer, that we are going to be able to give, be, get, be given insight and direction of how to travel from a place of restriction into a place of freedom. Can I get everyone to say amen to that? And also, by coming together in corporate prayer, it's an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have a visitation by Holy Spirit, to have uh, angels. Uh, Pastor Sarah got a word. There was an amazing uh, night of impartation, one night at the conference, uh, with a great minister who had an Indian background but now lives in uh, uh, the United States, had a beautiful, humble spirit in his life, very successful minister, but just beautiful, humble spirit in his life. And he kind of, he was elderly, having difficulty walking, um, 
at this season of his life, so he's kind of sitting down and teaching like a great papa, and just the, 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 the whole auditorium was filling with just this beautiful, sweet presence of the anointing. Um, and so there was an impartation. Uh, even there was a powerful uh, night with a South American preacher who was speak, speaking in Spanish, and then uh, the guy who was translating, it was funny because the guy who was translating, who heads up CI Mexico, amazing man by the name of Cliff Bell, uh, but he quite didn't speak at the same speed naturally as the guy who was from South America. And so he was trying to translate and the guy who's speaking in Spanish was speaking like this and Cliff Bell is more kind of more a little bit laid back and so it was kind of like a like a little horse kind of being galloped along like <laughs> keeping keeping him alive um, up on stage and so it was quite funny to watch um, but as 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 it got to the end of the altar call there was just this release of such a uh, just a revelation and a sense of God's arms just around people so Sarah and I were just at the altar, and God was just moving. And what I loved about it is there was such a move of Holy Spirit, but it wasn't weird. It was just beautiful. And so we were sitting there, and Sarah, as we drove um, back, what was interesting from the conference that night, Sarah said, as we're in that time, because we were just, just taking it all in, and it was just, just, you know, we're just receiving and receiving. It was a good marinating at the altar. Sarah said on the way back that the Lord had told her that God has already got in place an army, a group of angels in heaven that he has assigned to us to actually call on them for breakthrough and to go and fight on behalf of us and our church and our people in our church. And so we were able to walk away knowing that there are particular parts of the army of God that have been assigned to Forever House. Come on now. It's getting that revelation that God is so for you. God is so for us as a people. And it gives you such confidence to know that it doesn't matter how locked up you feel, that if you just step into that place of faith, and you call on Holy Spirit, and you call on the name of Jesus, and you start to gather together in that time of unity, that God is already got His ear uh, listening out for the faith of the people, uh, for, the, for the unity of the people, for the, for the prayers of the people, because He's already got things in store to release. We've just got to actually partner with Him. You know, it pleases God for us to release faith. It's just about exercise. We don't have to be perfect at praying, but God is just waiting for that moment. And this is why I'm so excited about Wednesday night. Whether we have two people, we have 20 people, we have 200 people. Do you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care because I already know that God's going to move. Amen. And so it's important for you, though, to get this revelation that we've been blessed to receive, that you need to expect God to start to move when you pray. That's why you need to release faith when you pray so that it actually enables God to intervene and starting to move. And so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also talked about the power of declaration and speaking it out and getting, filling the atmosphere with faith, filling the atmosphere with uh, actually talking about the future and talking about salvation and seeing people become saved by the name of Jesus and the revelation of the cross and actually seeing situations move in people's lives and seeing a community like ours going to a new level prophetically. It's all about understanding that God, He wants to actually release things and He wants to help us. So who's coming Wednesday night? <laughs> it's all right. I might ask that about four times. Maybe by the end of the message, you'll be persuaded. Amen. It's okay. You can laugh in the house. <laughs> all right. So let's have a look at Scripture. Acts chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. Acts chapter 12. And I mean, for your notes today, I want you to write down Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 24. I'm not going to read those 24 verses, but write that down as an overall passage area for you to study after receiving the word today. But I am going to break down certain sections of it. So Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 24. I'll say one more time, Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 24 is the area of passage that we're studying today. And the first thing I want to talk about in relation to this passage is something happens. Something actually happens when God's people pray. Something happens. Things happen when God's people pray. And so prayer is a wonderful privilege. But I want to specifically say this. There is a difference and a different requirement 
from devotional prayer or one-on-one prayer. We're a big believer in you seeking God for yourself. That's important. Uh, But it's important also to understand that we need to be reminded there are times where you're called to pray together. There's actually a special dynamic that comes when people of God pray together. There's a unity of faith. There's a unity of purpose to seek the Lord's face in prayer together. And uh, I want to look at this particular part of Scripture, uh, which talks about a few truths with this story of Peter being locked up in prison. So the people of God gather together to, to pray together to see a certain result. And so the first thing here is that this chapter, chapter 12 in the book of Acts, it first talks about that there were some problems. Can I get everyone to say problems? There were some problems. That it wasn't all peachy keen. And there were attacks. First of all, James, the brother of John, one of the Lord's inner circle, um, was put to death by Herod, by this political leader. And so who thinks someone being put to death is a sign that there's problems? And so then Peter has also now been imprisoned and is sitting on death row awaiting his own execution. Now this is in verses 1 to 5. If you're taking notes, just write down verses 1 to 5 of chapter 12 talks about that there are problems. It talks about that one guy has been already murdered, and now Peter is in prison, sitting on death row, awaiting his own execution. That's a problem. And that the Jews have pressed these attacks, because I don't like the fact that Peter is preaching the gospel, he's preaching Christ. He's, he's, a, he's someone who's intent on growing Christianity, on growing the church. And so the Jewish people are against the early church. I'm talking about the Jewish people who didn't believe in Jesus. There were a lot of Jews who had already given their hearts to Christ. But there was a particular political thing with Herod. Uh, he was actually being advantaged because the Jewish people had, were, were a majority in the area that he was ruling. And so by him pushing the agenda of coming against these Christian leaders, that made him look good. It gave him political advantage uh, for the Jewish people that he was leading. And so that was his wrong motivation. Also, there was wrong motivation for the Jewish people. They were you know, coming against. But the thing here is we know that it actually wasn't necessarily those people, but it was the principality that was operating in Herod and the Jewish people that were coming against the Christians. And so Herod persecuted the yellow church because it gave him political advantage. So that was an example of attacks that were happening. Um, Understanding that at, at times... We are called to pray at a level of warfare, not just because we're called to pray, but because we need breakthrough. We need answers. We need to move forward. We need to get out of places of restriction into places of advancement. And so I'm the first person to say that even though this is an amazing church and our life is great and people are great, uh, you know, we are in a battle. We're in a battle because we are here advancing the kingdom of God and we have adversaries. We have things. We have principalities, powers of darkness that don't like what Forever House stands for. We've got people in the community that don't like what Forever House stands for because we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like that people want to advance the the cause of Christ. And so you and I both need to, in a fresh way, understand that there will be attacks, there will be adverse situations, but that's a situation for us to respond and say, you know what? We're not people of defeat. We're overcomers. We now need to partner with our God in a specific way, like the people did who saw Peter imprisoned and there was a political situation going on and there were all these variables and there was this confusion and there was persecution and the people of God didn't sit down, uh, be overcome with fear. They stood up, but they said, you know what, God, we need you. And so we need to get on our knees. We need to humble ourselves and we need to seek your face right now because we need you, the God of heaven, not at our own strength, but we need you, God, the God of, of everything to actually intervene. We need to open heaven, get your attention so you can pour out and bring a miracle. There was apprehension also in verses 1 to 5. The church did not know what the future held. They had one of their key leaders in prison. They had one of their other leaders who'd just been killed. I mean, even people of faith at times, you're like, what's going on? Where is God taking me? What's, why is this situation happening at work? Why are those people talking about me? Why am I having this disagreement? Why am I not getting along with this person? Why is this going on in my family? Why is this going on in my finances? Why do I feel like um, I'm just, when I wake up, I just feel lethargic and confused. I don't feel light. Even even though I'm praying and I'm pressing, why are these things going on? Understanding that you and I are in a battle because of who you and I represent. 
because who you and I belong to. You and I belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But because of that, we are in a battle. So there's apprehension. There's also adversary. So we're told that Herod is the one who killed James and arrested Peter. We're also told that his action pleased the Jews. And so Herod and the Jews were responsible for the persecution, but they were merely the human instruments. The one who organized and empowered this persecution of the people of God at the time, particularly Peter in prison, was Satan himself. He was out to destroy the church while it was still in its infancy. In order to do that, he stirred up his forces and set them in array against the people of God. Who knows that at times, at times, at times, you and I may feel like all hell is breaking loose against our life, our family situations. Has anyone felt like that before? There's good news in that situation. The good news is, is that the situation that you're facing, you've actually already got victory. Because the God that you worship is the author of victory. We're just going to make sure we step into that place of faith when things are going on. And so it was a time of problems. Everyone say, but... When that baritone voice. But it was also a time of prayer. It was their response to the situation. So in verse 5, it was a time of prayer. And there is this tiny word in verse 5 that makes a big difference. It is a little conjunction word called but. See, the situation looks desperate, but. It looks as though Peter might be put to death, but. It looks as though the fledgling, fledgling church might be destroyed, but. It still goes on and carries the gospel to the world. In the face of all these overwhelming problems, there was a but. And so, what was the but? What was the turnaround? What was the catalyst? Let's break this down. First of all, we know it was prayer. Secondly, we know it wasn't just prayer. It was a particular type of prayer. It was corporate prayer. It was a gathering of the people of God together to use prayer as a weapon of warfare to bring a shift in certain situations that we can all put under the banner of persecution. And so let's have a look, though, specifically at the different elements. Another word here is the different ingredients of the type of prayer. What took place? Because you and I can take that as a benchmark and say, hey, as we step in Wednesday night to corporate prayer, as you and I respond to this call to corporate prayer, we can look at some certain excuse me, ingredients that we can utilize as well. First of all, it was fervent prayer. Can everyone say fervent? So we're told that the prayer was made without ceasing. Now, when we come and pray 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, we're not going to be here until 7 a.m., just in case you're wondering, all right? Uh, there are times, though, we may be called to 24 hours of prayer. Uh, I know CI Church just recently did it in Florida, so that's cool. But we'll particularly have a time frame, usually about an hour and a half, but it'll be persistent. We're not going to kind of pray a little bit and then have some donuts and have a little bit of massage table over here. And, I mean, we might do that one day. We might call it recreational prayer. But this Wednesday, it's going to be fervent without ceasing. Meaning, well, we'll pray about something, but then we'll be on to the next thing. We're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The flow of the river of God as we pray. So it's bringing the supernatural with our faith onto what we're praying. Now, we are told that prayer was made without ceasing. In this particular book of Acts. So the word ceasing means to stretch forth. It's actually a medical term. Catch this. It's a medical term. Ceasing means to stretch forth. It's a medical term that refers to a stretched ligament or a pulled muscle. So it has the idea of going beyond the boundaries. Stretching your faith. Praying with fervency. It's got like a stretch to it. You know when you go to the gym? I know recently when I went back onto the treadmill after getting back from holidays and I had a moment where I got on the treadmill I was like it's kind of like just slightly more than a 
a slow jog. I was like, I could do this for 15 minutes and get off and going, hey, I was on the treadmill for 15 minutes. But I knew I wasn't really stretching myself. So I kept looking at that arrow that I needed to kind of bump up the, the, the fervency. You know, I needed to stretch myself a little bit more. And I was like, oh. So anyway. Okay, so you and I need to be prepared sometimes to accelerate the spiritual treadmill when we come into a time of prayer. As in, it may, you may have moments where your flesh is feeling less comfortable than if you were just praying, kind of, thanks, Lord. We love you. Open heaven. Come down. Bless us. Answer prayer. Amen. Might need slightly more than that, okay? So fervency, stretching forth, stretching of the spiritual muscles, and... <clears throat> It's going beyond the boundaries, getting out of your comfort zone. When applied to prayer, it's a, it's a picture of fervency. It's a picture of people pouring out their hearts in prayer before the Lord as they seek His face for their needs. Everyone say fervent prayer. That's the kind of praying we need to undertake. The promise of God is that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, you're not right because you perform all of your Christian duties. You're right because the blood of Jesus washes you clean every single day as you live in repentance every single day, giving glory to God. That's why you're right before God, because of Jesus Christ and what He's done in your life. You're not right because of any other reason, just because of Jesus Christ. All right? So don't sit there and think, oh, I'm not righteous right now. I I sinned yesterday and I lied the other day. And so therefore, even if I pray, it's not going to be me being a righteous person. So I'm not going to really avail. Right? As long as you come into the prayer meeting, though, with a repentant heart, this is important. You come into a corporate prayer or even your own personal time with a repentant heart. Because if there is stuff that you haven't actually laid down, then that can be a blockage to your faith being exercised and then prayer being effective. Amen. But it doesn't mean you have to have all your boxes ticked perfectly because of what you do. You just have to have a fresh repentant heart before the Lord, particularly in forgiving your brothers and sisters in Christ, not coming to a prayer meeting with a big fat log of offense still logged into your heart. You've got to clean that out. Okay. Don't have to be perfect, but clean that out. Come with a fresh repentant heart, deal with that stuff, and then come in and then God can move. And so that's the kind of prayer that we need to undertake. The words effectual fervent refer to energetic, passionate prayer. That's what it means. So it's not prayer that is sluggish, not prayer that's lifeless, not prayer that's unconcerned, casual, half-hearted, blasé, and apathetic. It is prayer that pours forth a sense of conviction and a burdened heart seeking the Lord. It was also faithful prayer. Everyone say faithful. Now, by faithful praying, what we mean here is prayer of faith. So there are prayers, their prayers were made to God. You know how enduring worship I said we're singing to God. So they weren't just prayers. You know, sometimes the reality is, let's just be real. I love being real. Sometimes when we pray, we pray more with the concern of how the prayer sounds to other people next to us. Come on now. We pray more with the concern or focus of how the prayer sounds to us. Forget all that. Particularly when you come to corporately pray, just pray with faith. Pray to God. Pray connecting to that God is listening to your prayer. It doesn't have to be perfect prayer. It doesn't have to be perfectly sentenced prayer with your couple of little adjectives and your, your exclamation mark at the end and blah, 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 blah. Just throw all out the window. Don't worry about what people think. Come to pray, to agree together by faith to God. Faithful prayer. This congregation who was praying for Peter, they joined their voices and they reached up to touch God as one voice together, pleading for the Lord to intercede. They were, that it, was, it, was, it was prayer that was connected with their faith. And so the Bible makes uh, certain statements about faith in prayer. In Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In Matthew chapter, uh, verse 21, chapter 21, verse 22, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. 
in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we seek anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. And so I want to remind you as you come and you answer this call to be a part of corporate prayer in this season, it's about having faith. The next part is it was, it was focused prayer. Everyone say focused. So the prayer of the people. Remember, they're praying for this guy called Peter in prison. So it was fervent and it was full of faith, but it was also focused. So actually, most of the prayer was all about Peter being shifted out of prison. It wasn't like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for the town. And thank you, Lord, for the green meadows in the town. You keep making it green. And thank you for the sun that shines today. And thank you for um, that your provision of the cereal for breakfast. And thanks to Peter in the prison that you release him. And thanks for um, our cattle that you continue to make them, you know, full of milk so we can have our money. Yes, that was improvised, not scripted. You probably guessed. Um, But there's no specific focus, right? Can I say it would have been more like this? Father, right now we lift up Peter to you. Lord, we pray for angels, Lord, to surround that prison. Father, right now in the spiritual realm, we see that prison. We declare breakthrough over that situation. It would have been all about that specific situation, right? Now, why is it important to have focus in your prayer? Even in your own prayer life, I've spoken to many Christians over time who when they get this revelation, their prayer life goes to a whole new level. Not only does it go to a whole new level, but the reward of their prayer life goes to a new level because they start to see the answers. God is interested in prayers that are specific. I'll tell you why. Because when prayers are specific, not only does it exercise more specific faith from you, but also it enables Him to, to be glorified. I'll tell you why. Because when your prayers are too random and just, you know, blah, 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 then when actually God brings an answer, it's not actually clear that God's answered the prayer because the prayer's actually just been very kind of random and blasé. When you hone in on a particular request or requests and you seek the Lord on something, when God actually brings the answer, then we give the glory to God because it's obvious that He moved. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus was very deliberate. In fact, when you read the Gospels, one of the words that is repeated quite a lot about the way Jesus handled himself was the word deliberate. Not only was he deliberate in his compassion to people and the way that he ministered to people, but also the Bible teaches that he was very deliberate in how he dealt with the disciples in his leadership style, whether he encouraged them or corrected them. He was very deliberate. He Also, when he prayed, he was very deliberate. When he decreed, he was very deliberate. He was very deliberate even when he gave his analogies that seemed mysterious, but he was deliberate with his strategy because there were some people that didn't really value the gospel. They just wanted kind of the, the fun, but he actually spoke in mysteries because the the people's uh, the people who had their heart right would have actually gotten the revelation and then the people who didn't have their heart right would have still been floundering going what was that all about right that's why he spoke a lot in in analogies jesus was very deliberate when he prayed he was deliberate and so we want to be deliberate when we come not just to pray in our own lives but corporately we want to be deliberate we want to be specific if you believe that god is someone who wants to answer his prayer Would you therefore, if that was true, then you'd want to get very specific in your prayer. Now, the beauty, beautiful thing is, is that if we know very clearly that there's a specific problem, but we're not exactly sure specifically what to pray, then we use and we tap into the prayer language called praying in tongues. Because then the word says, even though if you don't know specifically what to pray in English, then you use some of your prayer time to, to pray in tongues because the Spirit on your behalf intercedes for you. He prays on your behalf because He knows. You may not know, but He knows specifically what needs prayer on. To release the angels, to bring the breakthrough, to bring the shift to the atmosphere. So who, 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 who likes the fact that even if you're not quite sure what to pray, well, God actually gives you a vehicle, a tool, a gift from heaven called praying in tongues to still not flounder during times of, of prayer. 
And uh, so when we come to pray on Wednesday, we'll have moments of praying in tongues as well. Now, if you don't pray in tongues, can I say this? That's probably even more important reason why you need to come on Wednesday, because then we'll pray for you so that you can start praying in tongues. Amen. Can I hear an amen to that? That's good. All right. So it was focused. Also, it was family prayer. Everyone say family. The church gathered together, 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 together to pray for one of their own. They came together as a family to seek God's help for a brother in great need. The church touched heaven for Peter. Their prayers had power because they were united in their walk with God. They joined their hearts and their hands and they lifted their voices to God and he heard them and he moved in power. So again, you and I are always called to have our own prayer life. You and I are called to talk to God and pray to God for our life, for our needs, for the desires of our heart, for our family, for situations, just to spend time with God to get greater revelation of direction from God. There are all these great reasons why you and I are called to have our own individual prayer connection with heaven. And that is something that you should always be focused on making time for. Having said that, prayer together, prayer with your spiritual family has a lot of benefits. One of the benefits is it actually builds unity. It builds intimacy. It builds a connection in the Spirit. Can I say this to you? Can I even challenge you? That if you're someone maybe sitting here today, and maybe, just maybe, for the last little while, you've been a little bit frustrated. You've been a little bit annoyed. Maybe with someone on your team at church. Maybe with a leader. Maybe with the fact that we moved from Logan to Coombers Plains. Who knows? Maybe the fact that the ceiling's black and you liked it white. Maybe that the pastors were gone on holiday for three weeks. You didn't like that. You didn't answer his text messages. You thought he was offended, whatever it is. Can I tell you then, it's even more important that you start to actually just sow some seeds in corporate prayer. Because the very fact of turning up and participating will actually be a key of breaking some of that stuff off. Come on now. It's isolation that tends to usually feed that stuff. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, not in your own thinking. A lot of times people think, the way I'm going to deal with unforgiveness or offense or annoyance or frustration within my own church life is I'm just going to process, I'm just going to keep thinking on it and thinking, why am I so annoyed? And you know what's funny? I've always found this. The more I think about it, the more annoyed I get. <laughs> Because I'm trying to use my own carnal mind to get myself out of unforgiveness or offense or annoyance. But actually, the more I think about it, it actually lodges that thing deeper and deeper into my heart. Because I start with the superficial commitment of going, Jesus, I'm going to forgive them. And I just lay at the altar. And when I think about what they did to me or what they said to me, Jesus, I just, yeah, why did they say that? (laughs) They shouldn't have said that. And in the way they said it as well. And who they were standing next to when they said it. (laughs) So it's family prayer. You know, we pray a lot. Generally, I think people do pray a lot. You know, there's different ways to pray. Just thinking about your life and what's going on. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you... you know, but inviting God into particular prayer, but individually praying, usually though we'll tend to pray for our needs and what we're believing for and we'll pray for our family. But what's great about coming into corporate prayer is you're given an opportunity to actually pray for some things that maybe just maybe haven't been on the priority of your own personal prayer list. And the other cool thing is, you know, sometimes when we know someone in our church is in need of prayer and we get that group private message from Facebook, And we reply saying, I'll definitely pray for you. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm just looking. (laughs) Right? Now, not that our heart is evil and I'm going, I'm going to say that I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to pray. As if I'd pray. 
So I'm going to pray for you. Love you. Smiley face. And then it's as if I'd pray for you. <laughs> That's not what happens. But what happens sometimes is, oh, of course I'll pray for you. That's terrible. I'm believing for breakthrough for you. Smiley face, smiley face, exclamation mark, send. Okay, I'm going to pray for that person. And then I go back into the busyness of my life and the natural reality of my mind, thinking about my world, my life, my needs, this email, this phone call, ah, and we forget until someone else replies. And then we get it on their messenger going, oh, I have to pray for that person. Haven't done it yet. And then that's why we leave the group, isn't it? <laughs> leaving the group. Sickening in these things. I'm leaving the group. I'm leaving the group. So, family prayer coming together. Now, one thing I want to kind of come to a place and finish on soon is, or this particular point, family prayer, is our differences can hinder our prayers. Our differences can hinder our prayers. You think about it. We want to see people saved. Who here wants to see people saved? Of course. We want to see the Lord bless the church. Who wants to see the Lord bless the church? Good. We want the power of God over us in our lives. Who wants to see that? So we pray and we pray and we pray. And we pray for those things. But sometimes we don't necessarily see answers come to our prayers. And I want to highlight that sometimes the reason for that is because we haven't first dealt with some of the differences that we have that can actually block God from really intervening and moving. Now, let me balance this by saying this. Do we have to be perfect? No. Does God want to answer prayer? Yes. But He is also daily concerned with the condition of your heart. And are you called to be exactly like the person sitting next to you? No. Are you called to have exactly the same opinions as the person sitting next to you? No. Are you called to like exactly the style, same style of ministry as the person next to you? No. Are you called to like the same worship song as the person sitting next to you? No. Are you called to like exactly the same colored light that Chris turns on during AV as the person sitting next to you? No. But are you called to be someone who actually is a cultivator of unity in your church and your family? Yes. Does that mean that you're always going to have 100% unity? No. Does that mean there's never going to be any problems or frictions or disagreements in your family? No. Does that mean there's never going to be any time where someone in the church annoys you? No. But can I say this to you? It's your responsibility, as isn't it's my responsibility, to protect and to maintain the condition of our heart. Now, let me say this to you. It's clear that when you and I come to pray individually or if we come to pray corporately, that we can say all the right things. But actually, it starts with the condition of your heart because everything the Bible teaches flows from that. So when you go to invest time in your personal prayer or you go to invest time in your public prayer, whatever it is, the Word of God says that the Word of God coming out of your mouth that you're praying will not return void, that there will be a return of investment. But there is a key condition to that, and that is just make sure you prepare your heart correctly. I kind of hinted on it before, that if you come Wednesday night, if you need to repent, if you need to forgive someone, uh, a brother and sister in Christ, maybe a family member, whatever it is, then do that. Does that mean that your relationship is going to be perfect for them? No. But lay it down and just say, God, come in and help me, so that when you're positioned, your heart can be pure before the Lord as you pray from that position. Can I get everyone to say yes and amen to that? Okay, so again, it's, you know, I think one, 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 one thing that I think at times is so powerful about persecution on the earth is that it literally takes the realization that there is an enemy out to kill, steal, and destroy 
a Christian or something to do with Jesus or something to do with uh, the representation of Christ or the kingdom, when there is evidence that there's persecution, what that does is it actually helps people to unite. It's a sad thing to say, but I think God himself knows that. Because when you know that someone really needs prayer, even though you may have been annoyed with them the week before, or they may have done something to you three months ago and you're still trying to work and get through it, if you know that someone really needs prayer because there's actually a devil from hell coming against them, there's something within in you that actually puts more value in taking that devil down than actually allowing that unforgiveness to flow in your heart. That's why... When, let's talk about this, that's why when you actually may not like a certain style of church in Australia that might be very prominent on Facebook, right? But let's say if you see that that church is being fully persecuted because of its place of influence, there'll be something inside your heart that will say, put aside your little silly difference and pray for that situation. And I think God sometimes allows you and I to face persecution. Is he the author of it? No, the enemy is. But I think sometimes God, because he, he mentions, you know, in these last days that that will come, that more and more you representing Jesus, that there's going to be mockery to that. And can I say that's why I think more and more we've got to value unity because it's going to come in your workplace But can I tell you this, when you come here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, I want you to bring some of those situations. If you've got situations going on in your business or going on in your workplace or going on in your family, not that I'm going to get you to air all your dirty laundry, but bring those situations and with faith, we're going to pray for breakthrough with those things. If you individually are facing persecution at the moment in any kind of area of your life, then come together with an understanding that we're going to pray for breakthrough in those situations. That's what the family focus of prayer is. So it was a time of problems, but they responded with corporate prayer, and they were fervent, and they were focused. And it was family focused, and it was faithful prayer. And I want to finish with this. It was also a time of great power. Everyone say power. I'm just going to ask Pastor Jason to come. Thank you, Jace. It was a time of great power. In verse, verses 6 to 11, we see that as the people prayed, there was a, a powerful salvation and deliverance. When the church prayed, God heard them and answered their prayers. Peter was delivered from prison through a tremendous, miraculous intervention. And God saved Peter because the church asked him to. The church prayed. The church put their differences aside and they focused their opposition towards the true enemy. I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say right now, put your energy spiritually towards tanking down your real enemy. Come together, come together, come together in this season, in this time. Forever House, we're called to pray together in this time. You know, God is still wanting to do miracles. God is still always wanting to bring reconciliation to situations. I'm hearing the Lord say this to our house. Right now in my heart, I'm hearing me say this. Well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Because in this season, there's been a stretching and there's been an uncomfortableness. And I hear the Lord say this, well done. For many of you have stepped up to a new place of a personally calling out to the Lord and seeking Him. I hear the Lord say that I've released a new fight in people's lives, a new tenacity, a new boldness. 
And I'm also hearing the Lord say this, and now add this to your season. Add this to your season. Come from your place of personal fight and now actually take it into a corporate fight together. I hear the Lord say this, that as you come together, the work that I've done in you individually in this season is going to join forces with the work that I've done in the person next to you and the person next to them. And God's saying in that time as you pray together and you seek me together, says the Lord, at an appointed time that I'm going to release answers and I'm going to release breakthrough at a level of multiplication, says the Lord. I hear the Lord say that bring those weapons of warfare that I've birthed within you in this season that you've had to individually, one-on-one, step up and use. But I hear the Lord say, now it's time also to bring them all together, to join forces and start to fight corporately. For I have a great destiny and a pathway to release to this house. And there is an inheritance for this house in this season that He wants to start to reveal bit by bit. I hear the Lord saying that not only is He going to release breakthroughs to individual situations as we come together, but I hear the Lord say that He's also going to release corporate breakthrough. And I hear God saying that He's going to release a new sound of heaven and a new depth of revelation of what God is going to do prophetically in this community and in this church. And I hear God say that as we release that, it's literally going to be like spiritual fertilizer, where even though your roots may be fairly deep, the Lord is going to say, He's going to help you to, to make your roots even deeper. And you're going to get a revelation of the fruitfulness that God is going to bring forth in this time. I hear the Lord say also that a huge catalyst from corporate prayer is going to be salvations. And I hear the Lord saying that He's bringing forth a new reign of salvation. But not just salvation of first time, but prodigal sons and daughters coming back to the house. And I hear that God is going to release a new burden for salvation and a new burden to touch people's lives with the truth of Jesus Christ. And I hear that God's saying that don't think it has to be you or your own fervency, but God says as you come together and pray, that it's going to be me that releases the supernatural desire and hunger within you to see people come to me, says the Lord. I hear lastly that God says it's so much more about what I'm going to do, not what you have to do. God says, trust me, position yourself, bring your faith, bring your brokenness, says the Lord, and see what I will do as you stand and believe together in this season.